The following is brought to you from the archives of First Baptist Church of McIntosh, Florida. The title of this sermon is All Will Be Revealed. The reference is in Mark 6, starting in verse 7. sermon title this morning. All will be revealed at the appropriate time. So I-A-D-O-M. Just plant that in your head and remember that because it's very, very important. Very important. Before we get started this morning, does anyone remember our memory verse? Okay, y'all going to need a little more practice, so let's say this together. Whoops, I can't say it together if I don't have the clicker turned on. Okay, here we go. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Matthew 4:10. All right, y'all are getting a little bit better. I A D O M. Interesting interesting concept. This morning we are in Mark chapter 6. And we're going to be begin, uh, beginning in verse 7. And it's talking about this morning, we're going to talk about uh, the call of the disciples that were going to go and to minister, to take the word of God all around. So beginning in verse 7 of Mark chapter 6. He summoned the twelve and began to send them out in pairs and gave them authority over unclean spirits. He instructed them to take nothing for the road except a staff, no bread, no traveling bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on an extra shirt. He said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that place. If any place does not welcome you or listen to you, when you leave, uh, when you leave there, Shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons, anointed many sick people with oil, and healed them. This is the very beginning of the expanded ministry of Christ as he's sending out the disciples to, uh, to places around different, different areas to take his message, to take his gospel message, of repentance to the people. And it's interesting, he, he's, these people already had dirt styles, but he's even boiling it down more. He says, I want you, you're going to live a simple lifestyle here. I don't want you to take anything basically except what you're wearing and a staff. Now, a staff was important because it could be used to fend off wild animals and that, that kind of thing. But think about that. If somebody was sending us out on a mission like this in today's world, you know, we'd want to take everything in the world with us because we're you so much. What Jesus is telling these guys, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go very simply. You can't have any Game Boys. You can't have your cell phone. No radio. And you can't drive the car. You've got to walk everywhere you go. If somebody told us that today, we would probably say, I ain't going. But that's the message that was given to these. There was a brochure printed several years ago that was talking about architecture. The name of it was the Architectural uh, <coughs> Digest. And here's what it was, here's the message it was uh, putting out. 
It's basically saying that man's passionate, that the magazine would quench man's passionate need for beauty and luxury. Advertising can probably be one of the most difficult things for anybody to deal with because why do companies advertise? They want you to buy their stuff. That's just bottom line. And so some people get so wrapped up in buying their stuff that it starts to take away from their joy and their fulfillment as members of the body of Christ. They get consumed with stuff. And we've, we've all known people like that down through the years. But every religion and philosophy that's ever been taught, as far as can be determined, denies that premise. It denies that happiness and fulfillment can be had by material possessions. Now let's look at who Jesus took here. It says he summoned the twelve, began to send them out in pairs. Think about this. He took a tax collector. A couple of them were very hot-headed. He took a revolutionary. He took a traitor. Who was the traitor, by the way? How would you like to have been sent out with Jews? Not a very pleasant prospect. Of course, at that time, they didn't know. But Matthew was the tax collector. You got James and Judah, the hot-headed two. And Peter was the revolutionary. And then Judas, of course, being the traitor. All common people, just everyday, ordinary folks, earning a living to get by like everybody else does. And he sends them out in pairs. And that's, that's very important. Because one, it fulfilled part of the law. The law says that uh, for every testimony it has to be established by at least two witnesses. So he's sending them out in two. Both of them can go. Both of them will share the same message. And people will have more, uh, the Jews in that day would have more of a tendency to believe the message because you've got two people coming instead of just one. Plus, it provided these guys some companionship, some friendship, a prayer partner to go with them and to, to encourage them uh, while they were there. This was not a precedent-setting thing because John the Baptist sent his people out in groups of two. The early church over in the book of Acts, you'll find it when they go out, they go out in pairs. They go out in pairs. So that's very important. That's a good plan. That's a good plan. God still wants us to go. God still wants us to go. And why, did, why is that? Because we're saved by faith, people are lost, and God wants us to be the ones to carry the message. He wants us to be the ones to carry the message. And also, like these apostles that were, he was sending out, he wants us to learn to live by faith. You know, it's easy for us to say, I live by faith. But do we really? What would it mean to really live by faith? Could you live by faith like the apostles did? <coughs> Walk out of church this morning and you got to leave your wallet or your purse. You got to take your shoes off and all you got on is the clothes on your back. We'll even provide staffs for you if you want to do it that way. We'll find a way to get you a staff. He wants us to learn like they had to learn to live our lives in complete dependence on him. And we can depend on him, can we not? We can depend on him, can we not? Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. I was starting to worry about you there for a minute. 
In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25, over in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Don't worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Charles C. and I were talking this morning about days gone by a little bit, and, and we were talking about our ancestors, and she was talking about, I guess it would have been your great-grandmother, wouldn't it? Talking about how people back in the day what they had to do in order to survive. I guarantee you those folks probably had learned to depend on the Lord maybe more than we do today. They just absolutely had to. A lot of them, like your great-grandmother and my grandparents, were farmers. You get a bad crop, you got a big issue there. You got something going on. Let me tell you about this. And her great-grandmother, while she was doing all of this, out on the farm, Raised four girls and three boys by herself. Amen. Now, go figure. <laughs> go figure. And we say we've got it bad today. Here's something we need to keep in mind. God never tells us and doesn't expect us to give up everything. He doesn't expect that of us. What he does expect of us is to give when the Lord tells us to, and to be good stewards of what he gave us, and to be obedient to his commands. Very simple. Very simple. Go when we're told, give what we're told, and everything will be great. Proverbs 21.20 says, Precious treasure and oil are in the dwelling of a wise person, but a fool consumes them. That's interesting to me because the thought just came to my mind. How many times have you read about somebody who won the lottery? Three million, four million, whatever. And they've got that money, and in a year or two, it's gone. Or somebody playing sports. I can't, I'm trying to remember who it was. Now, was it Jimbo Fisher that got $75 million promised contract at Texas A&M? He didn't start off on a good foot yesterday. $75 million to be a football coach. Now, I'm sure that he'll probably be more likely to take good care of his money than some of the athletes are. We can't imagine that, but yet some people get those kind of funds and in a couple of years it's gone. They have flatly consumed them in some way whatsoever. That is not being good stewards. And then he says to take, uh, don't, take don't put on an extra shirt, he's telling the, the apostles. Uh, some translations say a tunic, some, play, some say a coat. The premise is the same, the idea is the same. In that day, it was only the rich people who could afford to have two shirts or two tunics or two coats. He's cutting this down to the bare minimum, to the very bare minimum. Mark 6, 9 in the message, uh, paraphrase, we already read it, but let me read it to you out of paraphrase. He sent them off with these instructions. First of all, there's the mandate, and here's the instructions. Second part of the instructions, sorry. He sent them off with these instructions. Don't think you need a lot of extra equipment for this. You are the equipment. No special appeal for funds. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. The lesson for us on this is that sometimes we act like we are better than other folks out there in the world. And just to be honest with you, there are times when members of the body of Christ have a tendency to look down their noses at people who are different. But the only thing that separates 
those folks from us, if they have not had a saving relationship with God through the blood of Jesus Christ, the only difference between them and us is that and we're saved. Margaret used that phrase a while ago in that, that song title that, that uh, in, in her prayer for our missionary, we're just sinners saved by grace. That's all we are, sinners saved by grace. They're sinners, lost, unredeemed, not saved. Hebrews 13.5 says, Keep your life free from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have. I will never leave you nor abandon you. You remember what Paul said? He said, I've learned to be content whatever my circumstances. Whether I've got a little or I've got a lot. Whether everything's going right or everything's going bad. It doesn't matter. I've learned to be content with whatever's going on. We probably, most of us, need to take that concept to heart. Just learn to be content in the Lord Jesus Christ. How many times have you sung that song, He's All I Need? We sing that song, and we sing that song, and we sing that song, but do we believe that song? That's the thing. We've got to learn to believe it. And then in verse 10 here, he's talking about how serious this mandate is that he's given them to go out into the highways and hedges and bring people in uh, to, to faith in Christ. Because he makes this statement up here, uh, beginning in verse, uh, verse 10. He says, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that place. If any place does not welcome you or listen to you, when you leave there, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. Now that sounds kind of kind of cruel in a way. But it's a very symbolic message. If you and I are going out, and we're the ones that are going out in the highways and hedges like we're supposed to do to bring people in, if we go someplace and people are not receptive to the message of Christ, they don't want to receive it, they don't have time for it, they don't want to listen to you, or don't like you, I don't, you know, whatever the issue is, then what does it say? You're supposed to leave there and go someplace else. We're going, to be, we're going to be learning more in the next, over the course of the next couple of months. But, and Ronnie, Ronnie talked about fishing this morning. He told the kids uh, for Sunday school that they were going to learn about fishing this morning. Did they, not to coin a phrase, did they catch on? <laughs> I don't think they quite got it, preacher. Okay. But here's the thing. If we, as the body of Christ, are going to win fish, We've got to learn how to fish. We've got to learn to go where the fish are. That's the main thing. If you go to a dry, that's not right. It's hard to say when you go to a dry spot in the lake. When you, when you go to a place that's not producing fish, what do you do? You move on until you find a place that is producing fish. But what he's saying here when he's telling them to shake the dust off your feet, he is saying that's going to be a symbolic message to them that you are completely disassociating yourself from the pagans and from the pollution in their land. Because remember now, Jesus told his, the first ones he went to, he told him to go where? Only to the Jews. Go only to the Jews. And it wasn't until later that he included the Gentiles. So, if you're going someplace and you're going to stay, now remember, what have they got with them? Clothes on their back, and a 
So if they're going to stay somewhere, they've got to find them a cave along the road, or they've got to find them a, some trees maybe that they can bend over and kind of get out of the sun at least. I guarantee you they weren't going to the Holiday Inn or the Marriott, you know. They just weren't, weren't able to do that. So what's this really talking about? The message that they are to carry with them, we find it in verse 12. Look what verse 12 says. So they went out and preached that people should do what? To repent. That's the same message that John the Baptist told the people. He says repent. In that day and age, people who were following the religion of the Jews, basically uh, many of them, we're doing their dead level best to follow all the laws that had been set down. The laws that Moses brought down from the, from the mountain there, the Ten Commandments, plus all those other things that the Pharisees had heaped on. They were trying their best, if they wanted to be a good Jew, to follow all of that. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes along and says, repent. Some of them probably thought, well, why should I repent? I'm following the laws. There are a lot of places today, there are a lot of churches today that teach you've got to follow the laws. All the laws. Very legalistic and everything. And what Jesus says? Repent. What does repent mean? Y'all have all heard this down through the years. It means to quit going this way and start going that way. That's basically what that means. It says, I'm going to stop doing the things I've been doing, and I'm going to start doing the things that I ought to be doing. On the other side of that message, there's going to be a very harsh judgment for those who don't do that, for those who don't repent. Have you ever heard people use the term, well, a loving God wouldn't send anybody to hell? And that is true. But that one word, repentance, right there, that nails, that, that nails it down. It's the failure to repent that causes somebody to go to hell. And it's their own fault. Uh, the judgment for this would be the same judgment as, or worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. And you know, if you remember those stories, they were destroyed because of the lack of faith. So what do you got to do? First of all, you got to realize that what you're doing is wrong. If you, if you can't come to an understanding that what you're doing is wrong, you have very little need in your life to repent of anything, do you? because you think everything's rocking along pretty good. But if you do realize what you're doing is wrong, you've got you've to also come to a point of being sorry about it. Deep, heartfelt, felt sorrowness for what you've been doing. The way you've been living your life, you understand it's not right, and you've got to do something about it. And that simply means change your direction. Change your direction. John 5, 24. I'm sorry, your second fill-in is the message. And then John 5, 24 says, I'm telling you the truth. Those who hear my words and believe in him who sent me have eternal life. They will not be judged, but have already passed from death to life. From death to life. So here we are now. Things are starting to ramp up. Christ has called his disciples. He's given them a message to take to the world to tell people to repent, turn from their sin, and come back into the come back to God's family and be born again that they can spend eternity with Him. He gave them some good tools to work with, did He not? 
He told them here he's going to give them over uh, authority over unclean spirits. Authority over unclean spirits. Well, unclean spirits covers a lot of a lot of territory here. The ministry that these guys were were given the authority to do was to clean them, you know, deal with the un, unclean spirits. We talked last week about the unclean spirits and the, the demonic guy. When the unclean spirits came out, he was found in his right mind. He was found in his right mind. So it deals with the repentance, deals with the spiritual side of things, but it also deals with the emotional and mental side of things because they cast out the demons that were causing him to go crazy, and the physical side of things as well because he anointed many who were sick here in verse 13. Uh, and so uh, it says they drove out many demons, anointed many people with oil, and healed them. Many were healed. So now then, let's talk about their call to ministry. We've already talked about it a little bit, but we're going to look at it a little bit closer now for just a couple of minutes. We've got to go over to, uh, to verse 30. Verse 30 of chapter 6. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. For many people were coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they went away in the boat by themselves to a remote place. But many saw them leaving and recognized them, and they ran on foot to, from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Then he began to teach them many things. When it grew late, his disciples approached him and said, This place is deserted, and it is already late. Send them away so that they can go in, into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. You give them something to eat, he responded. They said to him, Should we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? Now, verse 38 on is very important. He asked them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then he instructed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Verse 41. He took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke the loaves. He kept giving them to his disciples to set before the people. Interesting, interesting thing. A couple of things that popped out at me when I first was this. The fact that <coughs> the fact that it says that they had to come back and give a report. They had to come back and give a report. Do you see similarity between what Jesus was telling them to do and what he tells us to do today? There's going to come a day where every one of us is going to have to come back to Jesus and give a report. Because the scripture says we're going to be rewarded for how well we obeyed in, in the, the commandments. We're not, if, if we don't do good stuff, you're not going to lose your salvation because you put your faith and trust in Christ. You're just not going to get a lot of rewards when you get to heaven. And so that's very important. We've got to give a report. We've got to stand before the Lord and say, here's what I did with what you gave me to work with. Gave me a lot of money? Okay, that's a lot of money I can use to, 
Go feed people or, or nourish, nourish folks or whatever. Or you gave me a ministry to do. Did I do my ministry? Yes, indeed. Okay, so how do you get to the point where you understand the call? Now, this passage I just read here, beginning in uh, actually verse, verse 41, we, we get to where the, the real strong point of it is, is this deal of what he did with the loaves and the fish. The first thing is it says he took. He took the five loaves and the two fish. When he pulled those disciples aside, he took them and sent them on the message uh, to, uh, to preach the message. Think about a gospel call in somebody's life today. How do they know that Jesus is taking them someplace to give them a ministry? How do you know that? Several ways. Florence Nightingale, y'all remember who Florence was? I hate to use Florence, it's a bad word to use in this day and age with the hurricane coming. But Florence Nightingale, she said she heard an audible voice. She heard God speak and say, Florence, I want you to go over here and minister healing to these folks, be a good nurse, and, and all those kind of things. And then the scripture tells, not the scripture, but uh, stories tell us that Joan of Arc didn't really hear uh, God's voice telling her specifically, but she did hear a lot of voices. And the story is told that the king of France asked Joan one time, says, how is it you're hearing all these voices and I'm not hearing anything? I'm the king of France. I ought to be hearing the voices and you hearing nothing. And she told him, you are hearing, you're just not listening. Does that sound familiar? A lot of times we hear things that the Lord tells us and we just don't listen. Because we don't want to listen. We don't even want to hear many times what God may be saying to us. But that's what we're supposed to do. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to hear, we're supposed to listen. And when God calls us, he's going to take us like he took the loaves and fishes and put us in a ministry that we need to be doing. Then it says, he broke. He broke the bread. When we come to following Christ, when we come to say, all right, Lord, I'm going to be obedient to you. I'm going to follow just like these guys did. I'm going to go wherever you send me with whatever you send me with. We've got to come with a broken spirit before we can be used by God in the most effective way. There was a book called When Iron Gates Shield, and the author of that book, his name is Jeffrey Bull, he wrote in there, he says, the spiritual poverty of my life and service suddenly came before me. I broke down and knelt on the dusty floor, and I wept my way afresh to Calvary. You know, a lot of folks today, they haven't related to God. They've been born again, but they failed to, they've heard, but they failed to listen to the message that's coming their way. And they never get to that point of submitting themselves to God's will, to be broken by Him, to be used in the most effective way. Luke 20 and verse 17 and 18 says, Then what is the meaning of this scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and everyone who falls on that stone 
will be broken. There's two things going on here. In the context, it's talking about the religious of the day, religious leaders of the day, stumbling over Jesus Christ and being broken, meaning they were destroyed. But it's also that if we come before Jesus with a broken heart, a broken and a contrite heart, a broken and a contrite spirit, then we're able to be used by God. We've got to get to that point in our lives. Psalm 51, 17 says, The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. You will not despise a broken and humble, not hurt heart, God. You will not despise a broken and humble heart. And then it says, Jesus gave. He took, he broke, and then it says, he gave. That is the Great Commission, to give. And it still stands today. Uh, Elton True, Trueblood, y'all may have heard of him. He was a, an American Quaker. Uh, he was a theologian. He died in 1994, so he's a, he's a very uh, recent uh, somebody to quote from, quote, quote from. He said, most of the figures Jesus used of the gospel have one common element, and that is penetration. And then he lists the elements. He talked about salt because it penetrates and it preserves. He talked about light because it penetrates the darkness. He talked about a key because a key will penetrate a lock and turn the lock and open the gate. He talked about bread because he talks about bread being worthless unless it enters the body. It penetrates the body. Water, he used that. Uh, that's one of the uh, one of the figures, uh, uh, terms that Jesus used. Water, it penetrates the hard crust of the earth. It can get through places that are resistant to it. And then he talked about leaven. Leaven penetrates the dough and makes it, makes it rise. And then fire. He used the word fire. How do you stop a fire? This ought to be easy. Well, you can do it with water. That's one way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So what else? Are, how else can you stop a fire? Smother it. What are you doing when you do that kind of stuff? You're taking away the fuel. You're taking away the fuel. You're taking away oxygen from that fire, or you're taking away uh, gasoline, or whatever's on the fire, or coal, or whatever that is. You're taking that away. And so Jesus gave this message, this great commission to these guys, and told him, here's what I want you to do. It doesn't matter what you've got to take with you. I don't want you to take it. I don't want you to worry about having a place to stay when you get out there on the road. I don't want you to worry about what you're going to eat. I don't want you to worry about any of that stuff. You take yourself with your clothes on your back and your staff, and you go, and you share the message that I'm giving you to share, and that message was to repent and bring people to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. Very, very simple, straightforward process, but nevertheless, a process. And so, today, we need, to, we need to think about how that affects us. Because none of us in here, if we're believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we would have never been here, we would have never heard that message, unless those fellows that went out were faithful to do that and take that message. And somebody came along before us with that same message. My grandparents did. And they're before them. And so that's why it's important today.
for us to be faithful and just to proclaim the message of Christ. Churches today are dwindling. They're dwindling in number, and they're dwindling in numbers. That's just part of culture today. But we don't need to accept that. We need to go forward with the message of Christ as he commanded us in the Great Commission. He's still choosing us. We've still got to allow him to break us, get us to that point where we're broken before him so that we can be a blessing to somebody else by showing them the way to Jesus Christ. We're supposed to work in his kingdom to promote his kingdom and to grow his kingdom. I-A-D-O-M. It all depends on me. Now, let me clarify. I'm not saying it all depends on me alone. you got to point the finger at yourself, too. It all depends on me. And so it's very important. Uh, that sign, it all depends on me, was, was put up in a munitions factory over in England during World War II because these guys were the ones that were making the bombs and making the big shells and everything that were going to help stave off the Nazis. And that sign was up there, I-D-O-M. And that's what it meant. It all depends on me. So we need to be faithful today, and we need to understand the message that we can go and we can share. A lot of people walking around today don't even know the message, and then those that do know the message are afraid to share it because they say, I don't have all these big theological terms that I can fall back on. I don't have all this stuff I can share. I don't have Bible knowledge, you know, just flowing out of my ears. So I can't tell anybody anything. I don't have anything to share with them. It's very simple. You just tell them the story about Jesus. You say, Jesus came. He was born of a virgin. He lived. He ministered. He died. Third day, he rose again, and he seated at the right hand of God the Father. And he did that so he could, give, he could provide for you the forgiveness of your sin and guarantee you a place in heaven with God Almighty if you repent of your sin and turn to him. That's very simple. And it's a, it's a yes or no process, prospect here. You either accept or you reject. You accept or you reject. Let's pray. Father, this morning, Lord, we love you and we thank you for giving us such clear, uh, such clear language in your word, Lord, that we can, we can learn. Lord, a lot of us are real good learners. But not as many of us are real good doers. And Father, we pray this morning that you would indeed help us to be broken before you that we, we might indeed share the gospel with someone else to care about them enough to say here's your choice God said it in his word you can take them to this chapter you either repent or you're lost that's it very simple thank you Lord for that simple message and that simple process Father give us strength give us wisdom as we talk to folks about Jesus, Lord, it's, it's very simple. We don't have to get we don't have to get deep with it. it none of those things. Just tell them the story of Jesus and either repent or not. Thank you, Lord, because most of us 
don't have a lot of that biblical knowledge to fall back on. Father, maybe if there's somebody here today that's never trusted Christ, maybe they need to use that word, maybe hear, hear that word, repent, and really hear it. And quit doing what they're doing now and move over to Jesus' side and do what they're called to do afresh and anew. Maybe today someone here needs to make that decision. Church, many of us that are saved, and we know we're saved, many of us need to be looking at this message today and in truth saying it all depends on me. The message of Christ going out to a lost and dying world depends on me. And then after going. Father, we thank you, Lord, for all of this, everything you teach us, every week, Lord, everything we learn helps us to grow closer to you. And Father, to convict us and convince us of those areas in our lives where we're falling short. So Father, thank you for that. And Lord, we ask your blessings on this time today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together now, hymns 295.